This is our podcast that we put out on the airwaves. Uh, my name is Brian Craig. I'm the executive director. I'll be your host today. And we have our founder, Rocky Fleming, here with me as well. And we're just enjoying uh, talking about different uh, aspects of the journey process, uh, about our influencers ministry, some of the life stories we've seen. And and just want to share with the rest of you guys out there everything we're seeing because we get to see so many neat things here at the home office and we want to share them with you. Uh, so welcome, Rocky. Glad to be here. And uh, today, uh, today we want to talk a little bit about the DNA of the journey process. We've, we've talked a little bit about the history in one of our prior podcasts and kind of what evolved out of this abiding message. And we want to talk a little bit about this process that you kind of felt like was downloaded to you from God in that first journey group, right? And yeah. So let's just kind of talk about, Rocky, some of the, the key points of non-negotiables, if you will, at least from our viewpoint of, of because God gave it to you in this manner, we've seen it work over and over again. Let's right. talk about those things. Well, I think that uh, <laughs> the question is why, what, and how. Mm-hmm. And uh, why we're doing this is because we feel that when Jesus says, go and make disciples, he was talking to us. And uh, then we have to ask the question, well, how does he define a, a disciple? Because there seems to be um, a lot of different discipleship courses out there, but the question is, are they producing a disciple based on how Jesus would define a disciple? And so when I began looking at that, I started to realize that there was something missing. I think that we have a lot of people that have a head knowledge, uh, but there's something missing in the heart. And that was the thing that was, that took me down the path that I did as far as the journey was concerned. I think I'd mentioned that I had been involved with various discipleship programs for years. And they were good programs and they were good disciplines, but what was missing was uh, the sustainability of it in the person's life. And as I began to inquire the Lord of that, uh, I felt that he clearly said to me that what was missing is that we're not connecting our hearts with his heart because discipleship is an inside-out transformation versus an outside-in. And to punctuate that, he told me, he says, the Pharisees would have got that one if, if that was the deal because they really did all the work of an outside-in, but it didn't transform their heart. And the Lord began speaking to me about my own walk first, Brian, and that is about my connection, my love relationship with, with him. Then I began to see the process of transformation occur. I began to understand that the scriptures and thoughts that, that I had read for years, uh, well, I, I had the knowledge, but they had not transferred into my heart. There was a disconnect there. And as I began to journal through those scriptures, as I began to make application of those scriptures, I, I actually found that, that, that God was speaking to me with a voice, and it was in those scriptures. And of course, the Holy Spirit speaks to us, but his voice always sounds like scripture. And if it's not, then we need to be very careful. But as I began to look at my own 
uh, self-feeding, and that's the key here, self-feeding. I began to understand that, that I think that was what was missing with most Christian men, is that most of the information they had about God was second or third or fourth hand. They had not really gotten a real good concept of God, therefore they, some of it was skewed. So one of the things that, that the Lord had me do in, in, when he downloaded the journey was to understand the thought process. And that is that if our objective, and that's what the what is here, what are we trying to do? Our objective is to try to get a man, and now women as well, because women are getting in this big time. Sometimes families too are in it. But if our objective is to get them into close proximity with Christ, then everything needs to work toward that, doesn't it? Our mission is to get someone in close proximity with Christ. It's not a mission of discipleship for knowledge alone. It's discipleship to build the relationship. That's our objective. So the first thing we had to do is we had to back it down and say, well, what do you believe about the relational God that has presented himself to us? Do you think he is a God that wound this thing up like a clock and backed away and just let it you know, go over it wherever it will? Because some people do believe that, you know. Uh, do you think that God is not involved at all with the details of your life? Because uh, there's some people that believe that as well. Uh, or do you believe that you do think he's a personable God, but you haven't yet learned how to come into that relationship? And I would say that most evangelicals believe that, but they also have that disconnect. And so what the intention was to do was to begin a process of revealing that God is a personal God. And that's why we have the first segment called Enlightened. Enlightened, we're talking about some attributes of God uh, that we need to understand. And they, although they seem very simple, we need to understand how profound they work into our perspective of God. And the first perspective of God is that God knows. Everybody says, well, everybody knows God knows, right? Really? Do you realize he knows everything you're seeing, everything you're thinking, every, every thought you've had now and in present and the future? Everything about us, he knows. He knows in great detail about these things about us. And when we began to understand that he is an all-knowing God and we start to really grasp that, that changes our perspective of him. The first perspective that goes is he's not distant, that he is ever-present. So if we're going to have a personal God and know he's a personal God, we need to know he's with us. So that's the first thing we do, build that foundation. But the next thing, Brian, is it's not enough to just know that God knows. We need to know what his heart's like. And then we get into the question, do you know that God also cares about what he knows about? Now, every one of these things that we're going to introduce to these men and women have to do with these attributes, but they're found in scriptures. Now, let's just talk about scripture. Now, this is not a Bible study. Although you can't have effective discipleship without the Bible. 
there has to be scripture involved. And the way I like to look at it, and I'm, I am a storyteller and I, I have a visualization of things. And I remember when I was living on the Gulf Coast, and if you know anything about the Gulf of Mexico, you know that it's pretty shallow for the first mile or two off of the shore there, especially around Biloxi and Gulfport and all that area. And so in order to get out to deeper water, we have to follow a winding channel that's marked on each side of it with channel markers. And then when we're coming in from the open sea and we're coming to shore, we want to come to safe harbor. But if we go directly to safe harbor from where we are in the open sea, we will run aground. And therefore what we do is we have channel markers on the right and the left of each channel that, we, that tells us to stay within that. If we get outside of it, we'll run aground. We could become shipwrecked. But if we stay in the channel markers, they will move us to safe harbor. That's what scripture does. Scripture is the channel markers for us. It keeps us within the boundaries. And discipleship needs to have boundaries. It can't be based on philosophy because everybody has philosophy. It has to be based on theology. But theology is not the end. It doesn't stop just with knowledge. The theology delivers us to the safe harbor, which is close proximity with Christ. Does that make sense to you? Mm -hmm. Sure. So the third segment uh, of the enlightened uh, series or the, the, the third attribute is that not only does God know and God cares, but God is willing. God is willing to be involved with those things he knows and cares about in our life. And the final thing is that God is able. God is able to do something about what he's willing to do something about, about something he knows and something he cares about. And so when a man or woman begins to understand these attributes of God, then it opens their heart, not just their knowledge, because they already knew most of that if they've done any kind of Bible study and sat under some good preachers. They're going to say those things. But what they do is they take that to heart now, and they begin to process life differently. And they begin to see challenges differently. And they begin to see hope differently. And they're encouraged to know that they have a God like that, that loves them like that, and that it knows them in details, even before they were ever born, how they were intricately wrought in their mother's room. That's what Psalms 139 says about it. And so that's the first foundation that we build, and that is that about God, the attributes of God. Let me just stop you for one second, Rocky. So how do you think those things get in their heart? You know, it's, it's, we have the group meetings where you meet either every other week or every week, and, and it could look like a Bible study if you weren't too sure what you were looking mm -hmm. at. But, but there's a little something different there in the, it's, we always say the journey's not that meeting, it's really what they're doing yeah. with the Lord one-on-one. -on -one. And, and I know one of the foundational things, which is part of our DNA, is journaling. Right. Let's talk, just stop for a second, talk about sure. that a little bit, because that's, 
from my experience and a lot of other men that I've seen and women, that's how you get the scriptures into your heart. Mm-hmm. So talk about journaling a little bit. Well, I, it's so important that we uh, we start showing them how to journal the first session mm-hmm. where we introduce a little acronym called STAR, S-T-A-R, which means the scripture that you've read, the thought that's been conveyed, the application or personal application that you make of that thought and scripture and your response, that's the R. Now what we're doing is that we're not only teaching them how to find answers in scripture, but remember now it's not a mind thing, it's not a head thing, it's a heart thing. Now here's what bridges, this is the one thing that bridges from the head to the heart and that's personal application. When we began seeing a scripture and it's speaking to our particular need or our particular challenge or our particular question, then all of a sudden we began to see why God's talking to me. And then what do you do in a good conversation? Is it a monologue or is it a dialogue? It has to be I speak to you and you listen and you speak to me and I listen. And that's the way we're trying to connect people with a conversation with God. That through scripture, God is talking to them and we're listening and we're making application. And in prayer, we're speaking back to him that I hear what you're talking about. I hear what you're saying to me. I receive the comfort. I receive the teaching and I receive the instruction because a reply oftentimes requires a response as well. So this is what we're trying to do. We're trying to create that. And the journaling is, is an essential part because what we're doing is we're trying to pe- keep, uh, help people learn how to self-feed. You know, the reason why I believe that uh, the, the many men that are being picked off, Christian men in churches, families being broken up, right and left, is because I believe that, by and large, Christian men in America are spiritually anemic. Uh, they spend more time watching ball games than they ever uh, give to listening uh, about uh, even preaching or, or studying the Bible or anything. That's the least involved thing they do. And yet it's the most important thing they do. Now, I can't reverse that immediately because I was a football player and I was a, you know, I always loved it myself. And it's, it's fun to be out there and it's fun watching it. Sometimes having to spend time before the Lord is not necessarily fun, but it's good. And I have found that the more I do it and the more other men do it, the hungrier they get. It stimulates their appetite. And so with journaling, it's the same way. When they they start, it's often kind of challenging and it's it's difficult to them, but they stay with it. And they stumble through it, and before long, they find a, a gold nugget. <laughs> and when they get that nugget, it, it just it just goes to their heart. And they're enthusiastic, and guess what happens? They bring it to their group. Now, guess what happens with their group? They're saying, well, Bill found something in that scripture. Why didn't I find it? Well, let's look and see if there's something else for you. And so the point being is that it creates a dynamic which is part of the journey, and that is we are, are going on this journey together, 
we help each other get there. And when we see somebody that's self-feeding and gain, gaining great insight, that makes us hungry. It makes us want to go and find it. And that's, that's the group dynamic you have in a journey. Yeah, I, I think in one of my first groups, Rocky, you told me that it's like a treasure hunt. Mm-hmm. But you said the difference is the treasure wants to be found. Yes. <laughs> and it gives us, he gives us really good signposts along the way if we'll read them. Yeah, and it's just a bunch of treasure hunters out coming and bringing their treasures into the group meeting. And, and it's fun to hear that and see that and see That's what right. guys are finding on their own. A lot of times they learn more from their fellow participants than they do from the guys. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And again, you said it before, and that is that the journey is not when we meet. It's between when we meet. It's when we have that intimate connection with Christ. Now, let me go back to something. Because I believe this is true, and this is why the journey I believe that true biblical transformation in a man and woman's life will occur only one way, and that is by that person being in close proximity with Christ. Now, if that is true, and I do believe it's true, and I think it's proven to be true, then our mission is to get someone in proximity with him, not just give them knowledge. And so with the enlightened segment out of the way, We've built a foundation to help them understand that God is a personal God and he he wants you to come into this relationship with him on a deeper way. So the bottom line is how do we get there? Now this is what Jesus did. He opened the door for me in John 15 when he said, you must abide in me and I and you to bear fruit. For apart from me, you will not bear fruit. Then I came to understand that I was laboring to be a a good Christian and to do good things, but I was missing the most important thing, the most important connection, the lifeblood. I was missing it. And then when I began turning my eyes and my heart and my effort toward finding out what was wrong here in my relationship that was keeping me from entering into that deeper place with him. Then I was on the hunt. Then I could see that I was making giant steps toward the right direction. Now the second segment that we have in the journey is called Enabled. And it's it's appropriately titled that way because enabled means it enables us to be the men and women God wants us to be. Uh, It enables the relationship with him like he has designed and given us. It enables our spiritual gifts to be triggered and, uh, and made powerful because it enables the fruit and the spirit in our life. So it's appropriately named and enabled. And in that, I would say that what we have done now is we've gone into the heart of the journey because enabled is about abiding in Christ, what it looks like, who the Holy Spirit is, uh, some misconceptions about him, trying to get some true biblical information on him, and then begin to look at how the fruit of the Spirit which is the Christ-like characteristics that are mentioned in Galatians 5, how they actually are a part of that fruit of abiding that Jesus spoke of, and how the fruit of the Spirit 
enables the gifts of the Spirit because the gifts of the Spirit will stay ineffective. That's what uh, 1 Corinthians 13 talk, this speaks about. Paul speaks about that, how they're ineffective without love, which is the fruit of the Spirit. And so little by little, these men began to understand the frustration they've had. Then they also understand the invitation they have and, and given. And, and then they understand the, the steps toward this abiding, intimate relationship with Jesus Christ that they've been given. And uh, now they can take advantage of it. And then we finally wrap up the journey, the third segment. Now we're starting to speak about stewardship. And when we're talking about stewardship, we're talking about the stewardship of their life, the stewardship of their spiritual gifts, the stewardship of their opportunity. In other words, to live out in their world around them that which is going on inside them. And that's where they bear fruit and become laborers. The, the very people that Jesus said pray for because the harvest is great but the laborers are few. And we're seeing laborers raised up because they're learning to abide in Christ. They're responding to his invitation to come and come close. And that's what we're trying to do is we're just trying to help them get there. Great, great. Well, I think that we're going to uh, probably have multiple podcasts to talk about this DNA deal because we it's important for people to understand what this is and what it's not um, because people just tend to throw things into the box of what they know. And, and so uh, we're going to probably uh, in our next podcast, we will continue this conversation about DNA. And I, I think we'll, we've, you kind of unpacked a little bit of the process and I think we'll get into a little bit more of the process and, and things about the process that we would call DNA, mm -hmm. like maybe being Holy Spirit-led and some of the things that we teach our guides and how to guide a group. But And uh, we were talking about DNA. So this is part two of our DNA series where we're just trying to drill in what is it about this journey process that God revealed to you, Rocky, uh, 16 years ago, even probably before that. Um, and, and just helping people understand what it is. Even our, even our current influencers who are going through the journey, they're still trying to figure out what is this thing and what's, what's different about it. So we hope maybe we can verbalize some things we've seen and help you guys as you process this out there. So uh, in our last podcast, we talked a little bit about uh, self-feeding on God's Word, how that's a real important component of what mm -hmm. happens in a journey process. Uh, also, uh, how journaling helps you become a self-feeder as you start finding nuggets of treasure and, and start applying it to your life. And it really, really makes God personal to you mm -hmm. and realize that he is. He's there. He has something to say to you from his word, uh, that, that he is an intimate God, that, that it's a really important thing that people have to understand that before they can really have an intimate relationship with him. Uh, so those are a few things that we talked about. Um, a few other things that I thought we should talk about, uh, maybe diving into a little bit about, and this some of this is kind of how guides formulate a group, but we, we train all our guides that this is a Holy Spirit-led process. Um, and you said this in one of our first podcasts, we don't think we disciple anybody. We think the Holy Spirit disciples right. a person. Right. So uh, I would say everything that we do, even in the formation of a group, uh, to conducting a meeting, to everything we do, we really trust the Holy Spirit to lead men. And, that, and that's kind of a distinctive or a DNA, I think, of, of our ministry. What would you comment on that about? 
Well, it is, and uh, and if I may digress a little bit in the, in why the emphasis on DNA, mm-hmm. uh, because we have found that if we're not uh, very emphatic in protecting it, then this process, rather than being programmed, process uh, might turn into a program. The prospect process that God has given us might fade because there are certain things that are critically important. And we call it DNA because of that. And we have discovered over, after 16 years and hundreds of groups and thousands of people that have gone through the journey that we've had some success rates in seeing uh, disciples that have been produced and disciples based on how Christ would define them. And we've seen some of those groups not, not really do that well. Uh, it doesn't really uh, create that much life change with them. And as we began to look at that, we inevitably find that there's a, the DNA is not there, that they left something out, they missed something big. Uh, they went through the motions, they tried to do a lot of the things that are close to it, but they didn't really do it. And. I, and here's the thing that we have found, and that is if, if the journey is protected and as God inspired it, and we're going to say it that way, it's not what man's inspired, it's what he inspired. If it's protected, then it, will, it truly will be organic and it will do what an organism will do, it will reproduce. And if it does not reproduce, that's a pretty good indication that it, it was not healthy. And so we're trying to understand that DNA, we're trying to protect that DNA, and we're trying to emphasize it as well because we feel like people, when they go into these groups, they want them to be successful. And they just want to know what makes them successful. Now, uh, beyond that, what was the other question? (laughs) (laughs) Well, we're just talking about uh, being Holy Spirit-led, that that's part of our DNA because and it really speaks to everything we do in influencers is we don't believe we're here to go use our business skills and do everything to run 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 things the way we think they need to be run everything's about what god wants yeah. and a real dependence on him and we're trying to train our guys in our journey group there's a dependence on the holy spirit that's needed to go where god yeah. wants to take you yeah it's a healthy holy dependence you know years ago i had uh, i heard something say that a man can do some things for God uh, that uh, basically he can do the best that man can produce for God. Or a man can make himself available to God and let God do what God can do through that man. And we want to choose to be that latter man. We want to be uh, people who we're able to say to to the Father, here we are, take what you want of us. And one of the things I have found is that I don't have it in me to be able to do those supernatural, uh, mysterious things that God can can do. And I don't know any other men and women that can. Humans just can't do what God does. Now, if we will admit this and go ahead and just say, Lord, I need your help, then, 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 then we've won a major battle with pride and with ego. And so let me tell you, uh, we are joyfully dependent on God. Uh, with this ministry and with our discipleship process. Now, the difference between a process and a program, maybe we might want to mention that. That's good. 
because a program, uh, and, I, and I did many discipleship programs through the years, uh, and, and, and I would not say any of them were bad. They were not. There were some really good disciplines in it. But one of the, one of the problems I think that we have in our thinking nowadays is that we feel that spiritual growth is about academic knowledge. And academic knowledge is about increasing that knowledge by checking off one study or one program after another and to go from being a freshman to a sophomore to a junior all the way up to getting a doctoral in whatever theology we think we're pursuing. And we have to, we have to come off of that. We have to back away from that. We have to understand that discipleship is not to be programized like that. It's not, it's not a programmable thing because we never know how the Holy Spirit is going to work in an individual's life. Um, sometimes it takes a person a week or two to get some real important things, and sometimes it takes a lifetime. Each one of us are treated differently. Uh, with me, God had to break me over a long period of time because of the nature that I had. But then when I was finally broken, then he was able to insert a lot of biblical truths that I had the knowledge of but did not have the true heart understanding of. Discipleship is messy, Brian. Now, what do I mean by that? What do you think that means? Let me, let, let me interview you. <laughs> well, I think uh, you're, you're willing to get involved in, in people's lives, and, and people, people are messy, and their lives are messy. And, and, you're, and you're, you're, we're not just about putting out there a feel-good message and then saying, okay, God bless you, see you. Discipleship means getting in the mud with somebody, walking alongside with somebody, um, not being afraid to talk about the difficult things, uh, being there for somebody else. You yeah. know, I think that's what Jesus did. He got in there with them yeah. and was walking out there. He wasn't sitting up on a high pedestal. He got down there with them. And, I, I just, and it, if you want to do that, people have a lot of issues. We all do. We're all broken people. So there's, right. there's a lot of tough stuff you're going to have to deal with. And, and, and trials are, are a necessary part of discipleship. Uh, we, we really can't learn a lot of things when everything is going smoothly. Hmm. Uh, it's in those trials and difficulties that we're challenged with those promises that we have been given in our journaling to trust God through this, to let him walk you through it, let him show you the way, forgive that person even though they've offended you or go to them and ask them to forgive you because you've offended them. All of those things are challenging things for us to do and when we have a, a husband whose marriage is about to break up, he has to take a look at himself and say, what have I done wrong here? And this is what discipleship does. It, it helps us identify the nature of the problem. You see, let me tell you something. We're, we're, we're guilty in trying to treat people symptomatically. We identify their problems of such as depression or control issues or relationship issues. You name it. You name the issue. And those are symptoms. We can see them. They're visible. They're out there. But do we ever ask the question, why are they there? What creates those things? Because it's the internal thing going on in a man that works its way out in the surface of his life to become angry 
to become controlling, over-controlling. Because if the deep, deepest part of his life is fear. And you know, there's a scripture that says that perfect love casts out all fear. What does that say? That tells me that the symptom is control and things that he's doing in his relationships. Those are the symptoms we're seeing. We're seeing that the cause of it is fear. That's the disease in him. Now let's look at what is the medicine for it. Perfect love, which is found in his relationship with Jesus Christ. That's what discipleship does, Brian. It's messy. We enter into a person's life when they're struggling, and then we start showing them God's solutions. Yeah. yeah I've, in all the groups I've led, I always tell them, you know, a nine-month uh, length of time is a long period of time, and a lot of life is going to happen, and there's going to be challenges. And, and you just see uh, it's interesting how God just starts messing with people. And, and life circumstances happen and all that. And it's always an opportunity for us to kind of point them back to God and back to Him mm-hmm. and pray for them. And and you get to see them figure out their own truths in the middle of all that. Yeah. But, but that brings up a, another DNA point that I think is important, and it, that is the vertical orientation of what we're doing yeah. versus a horizontal. A lot, of, a lot of men's groups, accountability groups, and other groups are based on the horizontal friendships or relationships. And we really believe ours... Those things happen, but ours starts with the vertical. We're, we're going on a vertical ascent. Yeah. So talk about that for a second. Well, what does John 15 say? It says, if you abide in me, you will bear fruit. So what happens when you have a group of men that are abiding in Jesus? What's that fruit going to look like? It's going to work its way into their character, and that's going to work its way into their relationships. You see, we, I've seen a lot of groups that gather Brian, encouraging groups and, you know, accountability groups and, I mean, all the groups you can imagine through the years. And, and when we say horizontally driven, they're driven toward the, building the relationship with each other as men. They're driven toward trying to create some kind of accountability um, or some kind of knowledge or some kind of something to help a man walk his life out. And most men are lonely. And most men need friends, and most men need relationships. Uh, but the truth is, is that the best they can achieve out of that is a friendship, and maybe a good friendship, but that's about it. But what we have found with the journey is that when we have men that are going on this journey to intimacy with Christ together, helping each other get there, then there's something that's created that's not just a friendship. It creates a covenant relationship. It's creating a relationship with men who will likely carry your casket, who will be there with you through thick and thin, that will be there with you when a child is sick or has lost its life. Those relationships are going to be the strongest that that man will have because they are on this vertical uh, journey not with each other, but with each other to Jesus. Mm. And then when they get to that place in their own walk with Jesus, then that it in turn starts bridging their relationship with each other. You know, I'm, I'm reminiscing to a, a men's retreat that we did together, Rocky, in the early years. And uh, 
we decided to, uh, we called it going vertical. Mm -hmm. And we had a big rope and we gave everybody a carabiner. And we had the visual representation that everybody's clicking into the rope. So we're kind of helping each other go vertical, but it's all about getting to the summit. Yeah, it's not about just staying on on the plateau. We're going up, yeah. you know. Yeah. But we're in this together, you know. So uh, I've seen that over all these years of doing journey groups. Mm-hmm. So. And there are some really close friendships and bonds, deep bonds of brotherhood, you know, sisterhood with women's groups that, that does happen in a journey group. So. Well, the the leadership structure of this ministry has been. All of them, <laughs> every one of them, including our staff, have been men who've come through the journey. Mm-hmm. And they, it's been an incubator for raising up leaders, but it's also been a leadership development structure. You know, uh, last year I was asked to write a book on, uh, on leadership development. Because, and the reason why is because of the quality of leaders and the quantity of leaders that we see that are emerging in this ministry. Um, but I said, no, I wouldn't do that because it, it, it's answered by just this simply. If you want to develop leaders, you develop the culture that raises up those leaders. And so we have a culture that will raise up leaders, but we raise them up not, not by trying to make them leaders, but to try to follow the leader mm-hmm. because that's where those spiritual gifts are triggered, enabled. That's when men get vision and passion. When you get men together <laughs> that are going on that journey together and serving together, then you've got a, you've got a team, man, a spiritual team. They're disciples. And um, that's the way Jesus wanted it. Yeah, and, and, and I, I have experience with accountability groups, and I, and I think if it's just the horizontal, it just doesn't seem to work because then it becomes... Um, well, at least if I'm doing better than this guy, then I'm doing okay. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. we got the wrong, you know, bar. Uh-huh. The bar needs a little bit, be a little bit higher than uh-huh. that. You know, or just send management. You know, I mean, or something like that. But but it's not getting the best of what we can give. Plus, we don't have anything to give. If we're not abiding in Christ and going on our vertical journey, we have nothing to give those guys yeah. horizontally. You know, really. So, um, you know, another another thing that I want to bring up is this idea of grace. Because I know a lot of studies out there can be pretty rigorous, and they think that men need discipline, so we gotta we gotta make it pretty tough and all mm-hmm. that stuff. And I and I wouldn't say that you know you're, you're a pretty tough guy, and you came out of a sports background, so you you know you love that kind of stuff. Oh yeah. But but there's something about grace. Yeah. You know, helping these guys and gals understand, hey, this is for you. This isn't you know you're not there to please us. We're gonna show them a lot of grace. We're gonna have a lot of expectations and push them towards something, but we have a lot of grace for them. And, and there's a, that's an important thing. Why? Well, again, the, that's, that's what we've been given versus every other religion out there that tries to earn God's love and favor and life. I mean, think about it. Can you think of any other religion except Christianity that we are loved unconditionally before we, we ever knew that love, that love was loving us. But you see, the, the problem I had early on was that I understood that God loved me, that he loved the world, and he gave his only begotten son, and you know that one, John 3.16. I was schooling those things, but I was not schooling grace. 
and, the, and, and as a result of not understanding that characteristic of God and what I have in him, then I went down this performance-driven route trying to prove myself to God. Um, but it, through the years, I, I began to understand a little bit more about grace, and one of the things is that I can not do anything more to make God love me anymore, and I can't do anything that would make him love me less. Because grace is driven by the character of God, by the gift of God. And you see, the reason this is so important for us to understand how we're loved is because it helps us to know how to relate to him. Because he's a God of grace, he invites us in. He's our biggest champion. He's, the, he's cheering us on, even though as holy God, he's going to say, look, you can't bring that in here with you. I mean, I want you to come into this relationship. You can't bring that stuff, but I'll give you 1 John 1, 9, which says if you confess your sins, I'll be faithful to forgive you your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Get that done. And come on. Come on. And this whole concept of grace is about invitation. It's not license to sin. It's the power not to sin. It's the motivation not to sin. It's the joy of not sinning. It's the joy of giving our life for our king. And not to live reckless, but to live with abandon to him. Not to live outside of our relationship with him because we've been given grace. Not to just go and do whatever we want to because we're given grace. It's to go and live for him and serve him and bring him to light because he loves us and has given us grace. It becomes the greatest enablement to be the man of God that he wants to make of us. And it comes through grace. And then, and as you and I both know, there's a lot of men out there who just don't understand that. Yeah. They, they feel beat up. They feel judged. They feel worthless. Um, so, and by the way, those same men look at other people that way too. True. Yeah, we, they tend to, yeah. Because they, wounded men wound. That's right. And, and it, but when we begin to start seeing the love that, that God gives us through his grace, then it produces, it's reproduced through us. And see, that's why I keep coming back to this, is that what is lived out of our life is what's going on inside of our life. That's where it works its way out of the surface. Mm. That's right. Um, you know, another, uh, another DNA, if, if you will, and this maybe would be an obvious, is prayer. Prayer is a big part of what the power of this ministry, of the power of a journey group. Yeah. Everything from the guides who form a group are praying about who do I invite, you know, and, yeah. and they prayerfully invite people into the group to, uh, you know, prayer during the group, uh, for the group, and then even these extended times of prayer that we do. Talk a little bit about prayer in the journey. Well, Brian, don't take this wrong, but sometimes I wish we would change it from prayer to conversation. Yeah. Because our concept of prayer oftentimes is some kind of ritualistic, uh, thing that we do to try to put ourselves in a proper state of mind or say the right words or whatever. But uh, true communion with God is more intimate than that. And it's that learning to speak and listen 
It's that, it's that just dwelling in his presence and then just picking up thoughts and, and then speaking back to him about, well, here's what I'm thinking about. Here, I'm thinking about this person. We oftentimes don't take time to converse with God because we think that we got to do all the talking. But prayer is also God talking to us where we're learning to listen to him. Hmm. And so when we build these groups, we might think, well, I want to pray about Bill and Jim and Joe and Harry. That's one way. Or it might be that we say, Lord, I want to sit down here and just spend some time with you. I want you to give me some names and thoughts about people that you would want to invite to this. Both of them are good, but you can't have just one way. You need to be listening, but you also need to be going back with him in things that you feel like that he's telling you to intercede on. Prayer is a mystery, man. I, I, I can't get into what's the best way of doing it. I'm just, just still discovering that. I just think the Lord would have me be honest with him. And most of my prayer, honestly, I, I spend my whole day just saying thank you. Hmm. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you for letting me be your son. Thank you for letting me be a part of reaching other men. Thank you for the way you show yourself to me. And, oh man, that's just, to me, that's just heart prayer, whisper prayer. It's a critical part of our relationship. And if we're going to mentor and guide and disciple, if we want to call that other men, we want to help them get into that proximity with Christ. Prayer is going to be a, an essential part of it. Yeah, we. Uh, for those who don't know this, we we take our men and women, couples, who, who whatever the group is formed, we take them out for an extended time of prayer for for two or three hours of just being alone with the Father, and that, that intimidates people so much at first. Oh, yeah. Not everybody, but some. And uh, I was recently on a retreat. And uh, we have stuff that they can work through, and we have a book that we use and all that that's very helpful. Uh, But one of my guys uh, said he just ended up spending the whole time just enjoying enjoying the Father, just walking in the woods and exploring. And and he said he he made a connection that these are things that he wished he could have done with his earthly father, but they didn't have a good relationship. And it was the first time he really saw God as his daddy. And and it was so funny here, you know, you know he didn't he didn't follow our everything we asked him to do and all that, but did he have a prayer time with the Father? Yeah. I would say yes. Well, see, this this is an example of grace driven. Now, <laughs> if this if if this uh, the journey was not grace driven, we'd say you failed. Right. You you didn't do it right because <laughs> you got to do it this way. Right. That's right. But if it's grace if it's grace driven then we're, we're going to let the Holy Spirit speak to that person. We just want to get them in proximity with him. I had, I'm had i speaking of Mark now, our, our, our wonderful friend who's on our national board. Mm-hmm. The first journey group that he was in, I went to his first uh, extended time of prayer, and he came in sheepishly uh, confessing that, I'm sorry, but I went to sleep. <laughs> and my response to him was good. 
He said, what do you mean? Well, you needed sleep, and I think God wanted you to have it. Mm. He loves you that much, Mark, that he'll meet you at your point of need. Well, I mean, that guy's in love with Jesus like you wouldn't believe, but, you know, it would have been so easy to take a legalistic route there, wouldn't it? Make him feel bad, shame him. But, you know, I, I, don't, think, I don't think the Lord would do that. There have been many times that I have gone to sleep praying. Have you? Yep. Just go to sleep praying. I had a guy, a preacher one time, I was confessing it. <laughs> he said, Rocky, that's wonderful. Last thing you were talking, last one we were talking to is Jesus when you went to sleep. That's a good thing. <laughs> so I guess I started kind of seeing it that way. Mm. That's good. Well, I, guys, I'm going to wrap up uh, today's podcast and just say uh, we thank you for listening in, and we hope that uh, these little tidbits are you know, provoking some thoughts within you, and maybe the Holy Spirit's going to use this to, to help you deepen your relationship. We really hope that that's our prayer. Um, again, this is the Influencers Network, and uh, I want to remind you that uh, if you have a question that you'd like to see us address in a future podcast, send us a, an email at podcastquestions at influencers.org, podcastquestions at influencers.org, and we'll see if we can uh, maybe address your question in one of our future podcasts. But I'm Brian Craig. I'm the executive director, and I'm the host of our